Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This week's episode is sponsored by ShapeAndFoster.com. Shape and Foster is a lifestyle development app that provides monthly actionable insight from six experts in mental health, financial planning, nutrition, fitness, yoga, and a life coach. It is a one-stop shop for self-improvement. The app provides a proactive and informed approach to improving your mental well-being by enabling consistent practices and habits to be built over time. Lifestyle development is about enhancing your quality of life by improving awareness, identity, and potential. One community of actionable insight. Learn all about the six pillars essential to a healthy heart and healthy mind in one unique app. Visit www.shapeandfoster.com for your free 14-day trial. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. What a tiz. <laughs> what a tiz, he says. What a tiz. T-I-Z. Uh, on the stack, uh, we talk about a bunch of comics that have come out this week and lots of big stuff here. Uh, we're going to have a big oh. chunk of the middle that all. Uh, we'll get to in a moment. But first, <laughs> let's talk about a big kickoff that happened this week. Star Wars The High Republic, number one from Marvel, written by Kevin Scott, art by Ario Anandito. So this is a comic, but this is also a mega story that is going to be told over comics, books, games, probably TV shows. I don't know what else, uh, but it's all set at the height of the Jedi. They're facing down a new threat. Uh, and this is the first salvo here. I believe the first two things that were released were this comic book uh, today. And yesterday, Charles Soule, comic book writer, wrote a book called Star Wars, The Light of the Jedi that touches on a lot of the same plot lines. Uh, so this is a big deal. Uh, this he is one also- part of it again. He also writes, like, really good novels, okay? He's not just a comic book writer, okay? No, this is a novel that he wrote that I was mentioning, Pete. Yeah. Oh, I thought you tried to just pigeonhole him as only a comic book writer. No, Pete, I'm just trying to pigeonhole him as a lawyer. Pete oh, hates right. pigeons, and he hates the holes that they live in. And so You're he's, goddamn right. he's coming for you. <laughs> uh, so the thing that I'm curious about with this book is, does it work? First of all, as its own comic book, as its own thing. Uh, and what do you think about it as part of this Star Wars, the High Republic mega story? I just have a question real quick. The lizard guy with one arm, that's not the guy mm-hmm. from the bar who loses an arm. Uh, no. Okay, that, just making sure. That would sure. be a crazy coincidence. <laughs> well, that's the yeah. thing. It's a lizard guy with one arm. I mean, I don't know. 
This no, takes this place takes before place, that. Yeah, hundreds of years before, I believe. Okay, all right, just checking. Um, just making sure. Let me throw out, I love just seeing the timeline infographic um, uh, oh, right yeah. after the cover. That's just fun. It's just fun to see all those things and be like, oh, look at all the good stuff. And then look at all the bad stuff. All on yep. one page. I stopped reading there, so I think we can move on to the next title. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, I I actually like this. I was a little trepidatious, frankly, going into here. Um, I think sometimes it's a mixed bag with Star Wars books, particularly when you're not focusing on the main characters that have an established voice. Uh, but I think this new character that we're following, this young Jedi, this Padawan uh, who goes on a mission, uh, gets elevated, spoiler, to the level of Jedi Knight, Um Gives you a really good setup for the stakes and everything that's going on. Uh, there's clearly some danger coming her way. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun Star Wars book, independently of anything else that's going on. Plus the double-sided sabers. So that's always badass. Um, yes, always badass. Uh Never not successful. Um, I I like this too. Um, my favorite parts were where I felt like there was some new ground broken. I feel like these new characters. It feels um, a little Star Trekky uh, a bit. Yes, I think, very much so. Which I think makes a lot of sense in that the height of the Jedi would be a much more organized society uh, like Star Trek does. So I, I I thought that was cool. The parts that I don't like are when they're just referencing shit that we've already seen. Like, there's a lot of uh, sort of splash pages later on where the only species we see are species we've seen in Star Wars. And I'm like, I see why you did that, but throw some other people in there. Like, I want to see some new stuff. I'd like to see the Force used in a different way was my takeaway here. What do you think about Hot Yoda? Because we kind of get like a hot, (laughs) younger Yoda here, like a little more ripped. (laughs) He's sort of a teen, like an angsty teen. Like, this Yoda fucks. And I love that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's kind still... of uh, Yoda you'd want to, like, grab an IPA with and, like, just, uh, you know, plug his mind. Like, find out what's going on there. What are his well, ideas? Well, first off, he's Yoda, still got... that joint. We can't get high now. We have a big <laughs> council meeting. Uh, Yoda's got a walking stick, so he's not Smoke that young. Will. He's not... <laughs> he's... Relax, we must. <laughs> oh uh, not for 20 minutes it is <laughs> oh my god yeah, nice nice i mean i can't believe i'm not in on these bits but like really impressive zalp that's like the far- smartest 420 bit i've ever heard wow um, <laughs> uh I mean, Yoda's still got a walking stick, guys. All right, but he's, he's barely not using that... it. He's not leaning on it. It's sort of more he's of a not... fun stick. Yeah, that's a pimp stick. It's a bowl. That's a pimp stick. Yeah, it's a very it's long a bowl. bowl. He smokes out of it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's cool. Uh, it's nice to see him. I also am more interested in the kind of horn Chewbacca character next to him. Um, like Justin said, that it's like, oh, this is interesting. This is new. Yeah, I think with all the Star Wars, um, I agree. It would be nice to be like, you know, let's just go away from what we know for a little bit and really just kind of get lost in some new shit. Um, but I, I enjoyed this. I very much enjoyed this. The the fun timeline with all the symbols in the beginning was great. Love the action. This is just uh, this is just some good stuff. I feel like it's a great setup for this world to I'm get into. I'm not laughing at you. I'm actually laughing at us. The fact that we were like, love that timeline. <laughs> we do. First we two pages. You open it up. Timeline. Close it back up. Yeah. All I want. Just I, context. I love I, exactly. context. Just give me. Yeah, where I also are did we? Love what the are we doing? Though, so yeah, exactly. Everybody loves you. a timeline. 
It wasn't. I think what Pete's saying is he wants more of his comics, like the X-Men specifically, with like pages in the middle where they just have information, especially symbols. Fuck you. Don't worry. We'll get there. We'll talk about another Marvel book that has that. Uh, But first, from a beginning to an ending, let's talk about Dark Knight's Death Metal number seven from DC Comics, written by Scott Snyder, art by Greg Capullo, with Yannick Picat and Brian Hitch. This is wrapping up this mega wild saga of... The DC Universe versus the being of the Batman. I don't know what you call him, who laughs. Uh, And here, as has been not wildly rumored, but put out there, the entire DC Universe, the cosmology of it gets completely redefined at the end, really characterizing this, in case you weren't clear, as the level of a crisis in terms of redefining the universe, um, which is, I think, a big deal. What do you think about how this book wrapped up as a whole, uh, but also where it leaves the DC universe. Nobody say anything, please. No, no. Oh, I, I, Pete, I thought, yeah, that was your, that was a perfect lane yeah, for you. Yeah, you sort of bent back as if you were winding up for like, oh, here it a comes. A real haul-off. I, I mean, thought a haul-off was coming. It, it got uh, kind of crazy in a way that I was like, what is happening? Um, but, you know, I'm first guy to get lost in stuff, so... Uh, the Wonder Woman mirror thing was a little weird. It got kind of meta. I di- it was cool the way it kind of started with skeleton head rock, and then we got to see kind of like a young Sergeant Rock. That was cool. Uh, I think this event overall was a lot of fun. Uh, I wasn't like, oh, shit, DC Universe has completely changed. I mean, you did a thing about like a hand that kind of shows up. You know, it got weird in spots, but I thought this was fun. I thought I liked the Batman talking shit, calling somebody a punk. Like, uh, yeah, this this was a fun event. Um, what I love about this, um, and I thought this ended really strongly um, uh, here. And there were a lot of titles throughout Death Metal that felt like if you were only re- if you were reading everything, it was like, wait, where are we? We were off the main plot here, and this book really landed all of the planes together in a great way. It was funny, um, uh, while at the same like every character was really playing their sort of character game, the thing that makes their essence at a high potential the entire time. I love that the focus never shifted from Wonder Woman. Um, in a, I thought for sure it was going to shift back to Batman at some point in this because yeah. it's such a Batman-focused event. Um, and I love that they didn't. Like, Batman and Superman had their fights, and they were sort of off, but it was all about Wonder Woman. I thought that I appreciated that so hard because the, the themes of this crossover are her themes. It's like truth. Uh, ultimate justice. Be be direct and simple to your at your truth, and uh, that's where we end up. Like Wonder Woman wins by being like not knowing the consequences, but still just doing what she thinks is the right thing. And the fact that that paid off, I thought, was great. And just the philosophy at the end of this, where the DC universe is landing, where it's like let's re- bring these characters back to their cores, and but. At the same time, let everything go wild. Let's push this universe into any direction we want. And I just love that creative potential. The event from beginning, from the premise to the end point, that was the idea. And I love that it's taking over the whole line now. Yeah, I completely agree with you. My only two tiny little quibbles that I don't even completely agree with, but I'll say out loud anyway. One of them is that it felt like this was leading up to a point where Wonder Woman was going to die, right? Mm. And 
I appreciate the fact that they didn't kill her off, which is why this is a dumb thing to bring up, because that would have been very frustrating. But it felt like they did the thing that they did with Tony Stark over in Civil War Two, where it was like, well, story wise, we have to kill off. Iron Man. That is the only option here. Instead, let's come up with this weird middle point where he doesn't die so we can keep him around so we don't just rely on, oh, and then we're going to bring him back anyway. And they do the same thing with Wonder Woman here where it's like she should have died. That was the natural ending point of this thing. It would have been a huge bummer and frustrating. So instead they did this weird middle point that's going to lead to something else. And a lot of that depends on whatever story they're about to tell with Wonder Woman going forward, I guess. The other part is just the idea that everything matters, which is the same as I think the hyper time idea that they tried a little while ago Mm. that is confusing to think about. Like, I think if I think the way to approach it and the way that I'm approaching is don't worry about it too much. We've been worrying, reading comics for years. None of it makes any sense when you lay it out literally. So just allow yourself to remember the stories you like and ignore the things that don't necessarily make it cohesive. So that's fine. That's how I'm getting past it. But there's certainly times when I'm reading this book where I felt like I, I don't know how everything could matter. That just doesn't jibe up in any sort of way. What what does Superman remember that happened right now? What was his life like? In a linear fashion, you know? But I think what I like about this is that's the problem anyway. That's an, like, continuity is a a fluid thing. Like, you believe the enough parts of it, so you're like, this is the story. But you don't, every specific detail isn't important because they start to conflict and then you're left with mush. So I like the idea that we're able to play a little bit faster and looser with it where it's like, Yes, he he was married, he has this kid, the kid was aged up in the future, all those things are true. And then now we're shifting into future state where we're really exploring extrapolations on those themes. And then we'll see where sort of the main stories land. Um, Mm -hmm. But the the fact that there are lanes where new stories can be told are great. And Uh, I just want to say, to your point, Pete, how did you feel? I thought Alfred looked... Great in this comic. Fuck you, you fucking <laughs> fuck, bud. That's okay, looks better. Uh, but this comic brings up an interesting point, and I'm wondering if you guys have thought about this at all. Like, if you see a different version of yourself, like the mirror version of yourself, like, do you just assume that it's you because you it looks similar? Uh, do you kind of, like, quiz yourself to kind of make sure it's you? Like, how do you react to seeing kind of like a different version of you in the mirror there? You can always tell with a kiss. <laughs> You're going to kiss agree. yourself? I agree. You're going to exactly kiss yourself. Exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> but how it, like, how, you're kissing yourself, you would know it's you? How would that, that's. I just, <laughs> into, intimacy, you just know. Yeah, you know, sometimes you just know with a kiss. Oh you my can just God. feel what's in the other's heart. <laughs> Let's right. move on to another crossover of sorts, crossover number three from Image Comics, oh, written by Donnie Cates, art by Jeff Shaw. In this issue, a lot of story threads are starting to come together uh, as our main characters are trying to bring a comic book character back to the dome that is over Denver. They run into some trouble along the way, and we get a reveal at the end of a character they've been teasing that is a big deal at the end of this issue, and I thought... The reveal was great. I cackled out loud when I got to it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I don't know if we want to spoil it necessarily, but what did you think about this issue and uh, the story as a whole? 
I thought this was great. Um, I, I really loved the reveal. I thought it made a lot of sense. Uh, you know, you kind of get a hint of stuff along the way, which is cool. Um, yeah, I'm really impressed with the writing and the creativity on this book. Um, it's very interesting. It's kind of really cool to kind of see how things are going to unfold. Uh, I, I love the kind of like action uh, stuff that happens here. Uh, I think I'm completely on board. This has been a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I like it too. It's amazing how meta and comic book insidery this book is, uh, but it doesn't bother me. Like I, I, it's just a book for a very specific audience. So, um, and that's so your is, review like, is this book doesn't bother you. That's what you're saying. Well, well, but I guess what I'm saying is my expectation was that if someone was like, "Hey, we're going to do this book where we reference all these very insidery things and sort of like." call a character Doctor Strange in a very winky way and then back off the, of that idea. Like, I would be like, I don't know if I, I would like that, but I thought it's done. It's really handled in a very smart way. The reveal on the last page I thought was uh, very fun. Um, the uh, character, a couple characters, um, the guy's dad is um, the sort of love interest, the male love interest, is drawn like John Goodman from The Righteous Gemstones, like yes, so hard. 100%. Uh, which I thought was fun. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It's good. It's it's really striding a line that I think is difficult. To I just don't understand if you have a comic book why you wouldn't put John Goodman in it. You know what I mean? Exactly. I completely agree. I think he was in Dark Knight's Death Metal somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I also like the fact that Donnie works in the pay. I think it's the Paybacks, which is a book that yeah. he yeah. wrote. Back in the day that he very cheekily is like, well, nobody read it, but it was very good, <laughs> uh, yeah. which I thought was a fun little detail. And again, you get that character at the end that I think is definitely a swerve, but it did it bother you perfectly. Though? Should we just talk about it? No, no. I just want to know if it bothered you at all. What bothered me? Well, some things didn't bother Justin. I just want to know if you wanted to say anything didn't bother you. What? No, <laughs> nothing bothered me. <laughs> Um, yeah, do you want to talk about the reveal at this point? Yeah, sure. Let's talk about the reveal. So spoiler if you haven't read it already, but Madman shows up at the end. Uh, we got this tease in the first issue. The character drew somebody who has been taking people, uh, helping people get in and out of the dome. Uh, and it looks like it's a picture of Superman. So the implication is, holy shit, did they somehow get Superman? No, they did not get Superman as of yet. Uh, but it turns out it's actually Madman, Mike Allred's creation. Yeah. And that is just... A perfect character for the sort of dimension hopping weirdness sort of thing. And that's the thing that I really liked about the reveal is it's not the biggest swerve you can think of from Superman, but it's certainly something you're like, I never would have predicted that character would be coming in here, but makes perfect sense for the story they're telling. Uh, And it definitely uh, doubles down on like okay, we're going for this in terms of the crossover. This is not just original characters that we're doing here. And that's what I think. It really served the crossover premise so strong. Yeah, I think my big takeaway is this comic doesn't bother me. (laughs) Good. Good. Uh, Let's move on. Throw it on the cover. One one quick thing. In the credits, uh, Mark Wade worked on this book. It's a story edits. So uh, interesting that he's there helping craft uh, the final book here. 
That is very interesting. Uh, let's move on to one that may or may not have bothered Peep. Eternals, number one from Marvel, written by Kara Gillen, art by Asad Rubik. Uh, as Justin mentioned on the live show, we talked to Kieran about this on our podcast a couple of months back. Uh, he teased this. Um, I still think, even based on his teases, I didn't know what we were getting into here. Uh, this is a wild ride. This seems very clearly influenced or perhaps just parallel to what Jonathan Hickman has been doing over on X-Men in this book. There's a lot of back matter and integrated matter. And we've certainly talked about how that works sometimes with the X-Men books, sometimes does not. Here, in my mind, it definitely does. Uh, I thought this book was great. And again, great last page reveal. I loved Uh, it. Great. I mean, the art by Asad Ribic is just stunning. It really, and I think it serves sort of the tone of this book, which feels very like postmodern superhero book that's owning, like a lot of books we talked about, about continuity. Uh, this owns all this continuity. It feels like these these characters, these Eternals, have been alive forever. They have done everything. They're a little bit cold about everything. Um and it's still in the world. Iron Man shows up here. And so it's all its all about – it feels like a comic book reader. I've seen hundreds and hundreds of stories. Where's the new ground? And it feels like we're going to get there. It's sort of like the God is dead at the end of the world. Who did it? And I, I love that. Yeah, I mean, I've never really been a big Eternals fan, and I'm wondering if this movie is going to be any good or not. Do you say Eternals or a Turtles? Uh, I've never <laughs> been a big Eternals fan, eh? No, the Teenage Mutant the Ninja Turtles. They love the pizza. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on, but you know I'm a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan, so I wouldn't say that. Uh, oh, okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I have a hard time when the characters are you know eternal. They live forever. It's there are these all impotent you know like beings that have lived life forever, or whatever, whatever. Nothing's new for them. They get bored and do stupid shit. So. Uh, I was impressed with the headbutt. I thought that was glorious. Um, calling your shot, which was great. But uh, other than that, the art's fantastic. There were some uh, weird pages of symbols that I didn't check out on purpose. But, uh, you know, we'll <laughs> see how this on kind of wraps up. And uh, last page saw that coming a mile away. Oh, wow. What? No way. Wow. Yeah, dude. Wow. You okay, get to the right. planet, and it's, it's like basically his name. I mean, what the fuck? Wow. All right. Okay. Uh, one of the Let, things. Well, why don't you res- call, call the end of the second issue then? What's that, yeah, Pete? If you know it so well, what's happening at the end of the second issue? Uh, it gets the fucking gauntlet. I don't know. I don't fucking know what that's going to happen. In this. All right. The thing is, I mean, they dropped probably, hints it probably that will happen like, that. One thing that I wanted to respond to that I think Kira Gillen does so well here is deal with the idea that these are Eternals, these are Immortals. They think they have this purpose, and they found out their purpose is not necessarily wrong, but just doesn't mean anything. So what do they do next? If they're never going to die, but their lives don't mean anything, what does that mean for the lives they continue living? Like, to me, he almost treats it like office worker drones, right? Like, you're going into work every single day. You're doing the same thing. What What is the end result? And for them, there is no end result. There's nothing. Yeah. So what is their purpose? And I think that's the setup here. We're going to find out 
do they have a purpose? Who has a purpose? What do their lives mean uh, going forward? And I think that's a very exciting and interesting and very esoteric, mind you, thing to talk about. Uh, the other thing that I really loved about this book was the description of deviance. That yeah. really popped for me because there's a setup at the beginning of uh, the Celestials came down. They created 100 Eternals. They created 100 deviants. They left. And then there's like a little shruggy emoji. Uh, beneath that. And that's the perfect setup for the book. What he talks about with the deviants in there, uh, there's this comparison of like, yeah, not all deviants are bad. Some of them just go bad, but they look at human beings like, well, some of you are serial killers, you know? And I thought that was just such a good sequence of dialogue uh, aligning us with deviants when the rest of the book is aligning us with the turtles, uh, just great writing, great art across the board. I really like this book quite a bit. Now, one follow up on what you talked about. Do you think if the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles lived <laughs> under in the sewers of mm. other cities, they would like different stuff? Like yeah. if they lived uh, sure. in the sewers of Seattle, would they just be like coffee drinkers? Yeah. Uh, they live under uh, St. Petersburg. And they're like, I love being a turtle and I love borscht. Yeah. <laughs> Borscht time. If they lived in up. Rochester, they would love garbage plates. There you go. Wow. And if wow. they lived under Philadelphia, they'd be sucking on a cheese stick. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Wrong podcast. Uh, let's get into it. Let's get into our future state block here. here there are a we ton go. of books that were released off of the end of Dark Knight's Metal from DC this week. They all take place in an indeterminate future of the DC universe. However, as we found out, we were talking to Philip Kennedy Johnson on our live show. They're all interconnected in some way, and they all do matter in some way as well. They're going to take elements and work the back. So this isn't just Elseworlds. This isn't just like what if or anything like that. It's something else. We don't know fully yet, but... I figured the best way of approaching this, uh, I'm just going to read through the titles. Um, We don't need to talk about each of them individually, but I'm I'm curious to hear you guys shout out, and then I'll read off the creative teams as well. Uh, But we got Next Batman, Superman and Metropolis, Swamp Thing, The Flash, Wonder Woman, and Harley Quinn. Uh, So, Justin, you were super into the Swamp Thing one, which was written by Ram V, art by Mike Perkins. You want to talk about that? Yeah, so this one is uh, sort of post-apocalyptic um, Earth. Uh, it's Swamp Things are the uh, only things uh, alive, at the, at least at the beginning of the I issue. And I like what you did there. That was yeah. nice. Uh, and it's it's just really nice. It's, uh, it's an issue about oddly like being a parent um, yeah. here. Uh, we, Swamp Thing intermittently walks us through the construction of a – of a body of his children basically as he's going and then um, bad things start to happen. And I, this is what uh, the kind of story that I, I hope DC does more of with, with future state and beyond where it does feel like an else worlds that matters. Pete. I mean, art's glorious. I thought it was okay. Um, Great. So you weren't bothered by it. Yeah, it didn't bother me. So uh, I, I think there were I, other I, ones in the stack that I really liked more. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm not, I'm well, not a parent, say, so I didn't really so relate. Reading, reading these in the order of Next Batman, Superman and Metropolis, Swamp Thing, Next Batman brings up uh, this new villain for Gotham City. Uh, Superman yeah. and Metropolis brings up a new villain for Metropolis. So I started to feel like, okay, we're ha- getting the kind of this interconnected thing. Swamp Thing, I could not figure out how that gelled with that. 
So it took me a little while to get into it because of that. Uh, but I agree with you, Justin. I thought this was really nice storytelling and very interesting and weird. It reminded me a little bit of like a Jeff Lemire take on Swamp Thing. For sure. Um, yeah. Almost like Sweet Tooth in a certain way. Uh, and I like this one quite a bit. Swamp Pete, Tooth. If, Swamp Tooth. If you weren't into this one, what was your what was your jam? What did you like of the Future State books? Uh, I thought the Dreaming was cool. Batman was great. <laughs> We're not uh, talking about the Dreaming. Uh, let's talk about next Batman though. Written by and John. The backup Ridley. was all. The backups were great as well. Hold on. Let me just say the writing staff on next okay. Batman. Uh, you got John Ridley, Brandon Thomas, Paul Jenkins, art by Nick Darrington, Sumit Kabar, and Jack Herbert. Uh, this is. The big deal. This is like they're shot across the bow because this is a black Batman. This is uh, Luke Fox, I think. Lucius Fox's son. Yeah. He was taking it over. Am I wrong about that? I, I think, think you're, you're wrong about that. But because uh, Luke maybe Fox. Maybe his brother. Yeah. Luke Fox was the, um, the, was, uh, the other Batman family character. Okay. All right. Well, I think it's part of the Fox family. Definitely that. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Yes. So it's probably. Oh, like no, you're right. It is, Luke. it's Luke. It's Luke. It's, it's Luke, Luke Fox. Okay. Uh, so this is a big deal. We get a couple of backups to show us other things that are going on in the world of Gotham City as it's under this tyrannical rule, this fascist rule. Pete, what did you like about this book? Well, first off, uh, you've uh, the villain that kind of gets attacked has some sweet knives. You don't see the combination of like brass knuckle and knife uh, very much anymore. So mm-hmm. like that was great to see that again. Um, some good action sequences. Then also liked the kind of like bubble that we got inside Batman's head a little bit. And Justin really likes that. Uh, then we kind of mm-hmm. got a little of the Fox resonance. And then there's this kind of interesting thing about like masks and putting on masks in Gotham, which is cool. Um, uh, yeah, there was there was some really kind of cool ideas going around here, so it got me very excited to see where this is going to go. Uh, I really liked the design of Batman, the action of Batman in this comic was really great. This had a, a real cool feel to it, and I liked it very much. Yeah, I thought Nick Darrington's art in particular was very good here, uh, and it feels like a classic Batman tale, which is probably transgressive in and of itself, that it's not a Batman who is black first and foremost, but it is a Batman first and foremost. And then it has these other layers to it. I think it's very purposeful on John Ridley's part and works really well. Uh, the one that jumped out to me, uh, future state wonder woman, number one, yeah, uh, this is written in art wait, by Joel Jones colors wait. by Jorley Belair. Yes. Before, before we move on, we should talk a little bit about the backups in the Batman. Sure. Issue. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Katana was great. I mean, the, the, yeah. the design was really awesome. Uh, sometimes Katana is, is done not too well, and this was really great. I really appreciated uh, all that we kind of got from this character. Uh, I'm very excited to get uh, more, um, and I hope these kind of like cool backups continue. Uh, this is just like, uh, and then we kind of got these like uh, team-up stuff as well. We got the outsider stuff in there. And uh, that was done well. Uh, I'm very excited to see kind of like in this uh, future state, like how the kind of Batman team is going to work. So I feel like they did a great job of getting us excited in this uh, next Batman uh, future state issue for the not only Arkham Knights, but the Outsiders as well. Yeah, I agree. I hope we get to this is the format of these books where we get to see little snippets of the other characters. Great take on Outsiders and just really great across the board. Um, yes. 
Sorry, Alex. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, there. that's fine. Uh, back to Wonder Woman. Uh, this this uh, Joel Jones yes. art alone. Yes. Heat it up a little bit on this book is yes. so phenomenal. Where's it from is, the art alone? So this is a book that I, I definitely went into it with uh, preconceptions only because it isn't out yet. It's already in development by the CW as a TV show. So I was like, all right, how is this going to work? What is this TV show about? That was the critical lens. I was looking through it. I still have no idea having read the book. Yeah. Um, but once I was able to get past that, uh, this is the boldest reinvention of the Wonder Woman mythology since Cliff Chiang and Brian Azzarello, Woo-hoo! and I love it. Yeah. Love it. So good. It feels, it's a completely different character, but feels consistent with the name Wonder Woman uh, as she goes down to the underworld uh, on a mission. Uh, we get to see different aspects of it. It's funny. It's weird at points. Uh, there's interesting mythology that's mixing different mythologies than just the Olympic mythology that we're used to uh, with Diana. Uh, this is so good. And I hope. Um, I think it is actually, but this is one that I hope is ongoing beyond the two to three issues that they're going to be doing over the course of these months. Yeah, this yeah. I was, mean, I agree. It's oh, it's oh, it's a young, brash Wonder Woman. Like just comparing this Wonder Woman to the Wonder Woman from Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four is it's just like this is so much more exciting, and we just this is just all in one issue. Yeah, this is just a great kind of version of Wonder Woman who is very action forward, which is great. Um, the the kind of villains and the cool characters along the way doesn't feel like Wonder Woman, but it works in such a nice way that it makes it feel fresh. Uh, yeah, I just want I I was like, okay, what's this gonna be? And then didn't want to leave this world. I love the kind of. Uh, last splash page at the end. This this is very exciting stuff. Let's uh, touch on some of the other ones real quick, sort of do little capsule reviews of them. But we got Future State, Superman and Metropolis, number one from DC Comics, written by Sean Lewis, Brandon Easton, art by John Timms, Valentin Delandro, Cully Hamner, Michael Avon Oming. Um, I one thing that I really liked about this one is how weird it was. Like this it was is very weird. Yeah, Super this is weird, weird sci fi Superman tells something that I don't think we've seen in a very long time, and I appreciated that. Um, yeah, I, I agree. It was almost a little too. I wanted more of uh, uh, of like, oh, I see where this story. I see what the story is, and I see where it's going. It was very grim, also. Like, I it felt like I was. I'm not confident things are going to work out, uh, which is an odd tone for a Superman yeah. book. Um, it's funny in the Batman book. I thought the first story was the strongest, and in order, liked that's how I liked them. In this, I feel like it was the reversed order. Yes, I liked the Guardian story yes! at the end the best, and then <laughs> second, the Mister Miracle, and third, the Superman. Movie. Exactly, man. The Guardian was badass. That was really great. Yeah. I was surprised how much I loved that. And yeah, I mean, Superman was all right, but like, what are we doing with Superman? You know what I mean, like. Are we changing things up, or is this just, like, anime Superman? Like, what are we doing? I don't know. I can't get too mad at a ball of teeth. That's a pretty weird, cool villain. Uh, let's talk about Future State the Flash, number one, written by Here Brendan Vietti, art by Dale Eaglesham. Love Dale Eaglesham's art. One of my favorite artists ever. Uh, so yeah. great to see him draw the Flash family. 
Um, dark take. <laughs> Alex, are you <laughs> saying you don't love this? I didn't love this. <laughs> because it's so dark. Flash no, mostly a, a I don't bright. know. There was something a little stilted about the language, to be honest. Just the writing, the dialogue was a little weird to me. Um, I... Uh, and it didn't feel like as bold of a swing as some of the other books that we read in the future state yep. stuff. Like it felt like interesting. It felt like if the assignment was what happens in Wobbies. 40, 50 years down the road in the DC universe, this was what happens two, three storylines down the road. You know what I mean? Um, mm. So uh, I, I wanted something bigger and weirder with the flash. And that's not what we got here. I read this because, uh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say real quick, like, I read this and was like, well, I hope Salvin liked this. <laughs> I read it and I was like, oh, I think Alex won't like this because I do think it's a bold swing because it's like a very not like the flash is so bright and like shiny and like I'll fix this by running. And this is like that's his move. The opposite of that. Um, and I think you also don't like it, Alex, because Wally's the bad guy. Ooh, it makes no sense. Shots He's fired. the good guy. Shots fired. He, he's the bad guy in this one, Alex. Uh, and um, I, I, I want to pick up the next one because I really was surprised by the tone and the vibe of this. And I like the way that the heroes change, like heroes die and the heroes change their tactic in the middle of this mm-hmm. book. I thought that was interesting. I, I think uh, less, w- one of oh, the things ahead, I realized reading this is like, um, you know, I've tried doing the flash philosophy, just run harder and it doesn't always mm-hmm. solve your problems. So, oh, um, really? yeah, yeah. I think this uh, book kind of falls Pete, short. Maybe you need to run a little harder. I, I've tried. I've tried that. Okay. But run even harder. Yeah. Last I, one to talk about future state, Harley Quinn, number one, written by Stephanie Phillips, art by Simone DeMeo. Uh, this one, to me, almost had the clearest setup of a book. The rest of them felt yeah. like they were cutting it in the middle. But here we get Harley is captured. Uh, Scarecrow is basically working as her Charlie-style, from Charlie's Angel-style handler, sending her off on missions to take down other villains in Gotham City. Um, I thought this was a fun setup. I liked it. Uh, and in particular, I thought Simone DeMeo's art was very good on the book. Yeah, I agree. Like, I like the sort of the setup here. And... Um... It is the most, like, I see what this book is, and we're going to see more of this style story. Yeah, that's what I liked about it. It was like, okay, this is what it's going to be, and it kind of gets you excited for what's going to happen next. So I feel like it does a good job of, like, all right, uh, here's our take on Harley Quinn. This is her new look. Cool, great, awesome. I I don't hate this at all. Um, But I I felt like I wanted a little bit more, but I feel Mm -hmm. like... I'm excited to see where this could go because it has a lot of uh, possibilities. Let's move on to talk about some non-Future State books, starting with The Amazing Spider-Man number 56 from Marvel, written by Nick Spencer, art by Mark Bagley. Uh, Somehow, we are done with the Last Remains storyline and have moved on. We see here how the Kingpin and Norman Osborn captured Harry Osborn, a.k.a. Kindred, and what starts to happen next. Um, I know we talked about this with the last issue. Mark Bagley's art, always good. He's always a good Spider-Man writer. I am starting to lose my patience with this storyline, to be perfectly honest with you guys. I always hesitate to say things like this, but we need to get to it. What is Kindred's deal? He can't stand in the corner and be like, you know what you did. 
for another yeah. 15 issues because I am going to go insane. Well, it's it's funny you say that because I think this story is sort of moving on. Like there's a ton of setup in this book for like what the next the next things that are going to be happening. Um I will say um I liked the little moment where Kindred his little tears in his running mm-hmm. down his weird eyes. <laughs> his like empty uh pumpkin head eyes. Uh, but I, I think the I've shifted. I like the coyness. I think is just part of this. Uh, we're getting some story. I think what the issue is for me now is Spider Man is not the main character of this book, and we're not in Spider Man's head. Spider Man is a side yeah. character. We're just observing him, and it's about the Osborns, Kingpin, we're in all these other heads. I, we need Spider Man to be the center here. And the Sin Eater story was about Spider Man and Sin Eater, and like mm-hmm. what was happening there. And I feel like we were been in kindred on kindred side of it, and I hope we're going to flip back as we go forward. Yeah. Well, and also, uh, sorry, Pete. The one thing I was going to say about the city eater thing is so much of this issue is uh, consumed with talking about how cool the city eater storyline and how interesting it was and the fallout of that. To the point where I'm like, that was more interesting. I like that. That was yeah. fascinating, and that was a really like brought Spider-Man to the brink in the way that I just don't understand what Kindred means to him, even though he's a character that we've known for decades at this point. Yeah. yeah. Kind of, uh, Zeldman said my bit a little bit nicer. Like when you've got a character talking about cool shit that happened before, uh, that's not a good comic book. You're, you're not in the moment in a way that's exciting. You're like, man, you know, it was really cool couple issues ago. That's when shit was exciting. And I don't know what's happening here, but I'm going to monologue as I walk circles around this cube to villain. Cool. Uh, yeah, I didn't like this at all. I want Nick Spencer to be off this book so I can go back oh, to no. fucking Spider-Man. Not necessary. No, you don't want to take somebody off of a job. That's mean, Pete. Um Let's move on, though. Talk about The Last Witch, number one for Boombox, written by Connor McCurry, uh, illustrated by Vivi Glass. In this book, we meet a young girl uh, who is very interested in sneaking up on a witch's, maybe witch's castle on her birthday. She is stimmied because of a couple of different things. Uh, really like the art here. There's some good all-ages stuff. Um, I wanted a little more in the plot, and we finally get there by the end, so I am excited enough to read issue two. Yeah, I thought this was a sock-fixing book for a good portion of it. Oh, man. <laughs> like, you, you got to fix these socks. Have your fun until you fix some socks, Justin. Everybody knows that. Darn mm-hmm. those socks. Darn, darn those socks. Um, but I will say, I like this. I think the dread that is set up throughout the story is good. Uh, it really pays off at the back end. It feels very Blair Witch, um, if I may reference uh, an old movie. Um, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, the, only re- well, the only movie we talk about on this podcast is Blair Witch Book of Shadows. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's the bummer. We refuse to mention any movie but the current sequel that's uh, out there. It really current. makes a lot of our movie conversations <laughs> horrible. What's more current than Book of Shadows? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I thought this is good. Um, definitely going to pick up the next issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good stuff. I, oh, I go agree. I thought this was a lot of fun. The art's fantastic. You got a badass grandma who's smoking a cigar. Uh, you know, that's that's good times. Uh, okay. Is there anything you like more, Pete, than grandmas? Uh, nope. Uh, All you talk about is grandmas on this podcast. Plus, there you got a little kid using his gap tooth well. I mean, this is – I'm excited to see where this goes. There was a lot of, like, kind of walking in place, if you will, a little bit. 
But I'm glad we got to see the kind of tower and uh, what's going to I'm excited to see what happens after that. Yeah, I agree with you. There were a lot of points where they weren't focusing on the grandma, but then there were a couple of pages where they focused on the grandma. Yeah. Yes. And that's when Pete's interest really peaked. Yeah. Let's move on and talk about one more DC book here. Generations Shattered, number one from DC Comics, written by Dan Jurgens, Andy Schmidt, and Robert Fendetti. Art by, are you ready? Arvin Rice, Joe Prado, Scott Hanna, Furbato, Becerin, Ocler, Albert, Albert, Aaron Lepestri, Matt Ryan, Emanuela Lupacino, Wade Von Grubberger, <laughs> Bernard Chang, I like that you're both taking drinks for your beer, Yannick Paquette, <laughs> Kevin Nowlin, Dan Jurgens, Klaus Jansen, Paul Pelletier, uh, Sandra Hope, John Romita Jr., Danny Beakey, Doug Brathwaite, Ray, uh, Rags Morales, and Mike Perkins. Uh, now, this is a book that I included here on the stack because it certainly seemed like, okay, you go Dark Knight's Death Metal, you go Generation Shattered, then we're into Future State. Uh, and it even says on the cover, spinning out of the pages of Dark Knight's Death Metal, uh, it doesn't have anything to do with that. No. Um, and this book is is a bit of a fever dream. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, I didn't mind it once I got no. past realizing, wait, this has nothing to do with anything else going on in the DC universe. Because just as a fun thing about Kamandi building a team to take down another time-threatening villain, there's some good fun art in it. There's a weird team that he puts together uh, as Dan Jerkins leading into his Booster Gold stuff, which loves that's cool. Booster Gold. Loves sure. Booster Gold. Uh, and, like, Kamandi, I know people love Kamandi, and I've always just been, like, his only thing is he's the last boy. And it's sort right. of like, well, he's just... He's just the last one. No, man. He has long blonde hair. He wears yeah. cut off jean shorts and no I shirt. I feel like he's cold. He's traveling through time with no shirt on. Like, it's yeah. got to be cold. Put on a shirt. Yeah, put on a shirt, Commandy. Um, <laughs> uh, I do like Wave Rider. Um, I like a lot of these weird characters that they pull together um, for this. Um, there's a lot of fun, weird, like, fighting uh, Hector Hammond's big head in this middle bit. <sighs> This the is young just, Booster Gold versus old uh, Booster Gold. I think the problem is the timing of how this comes out more than anything. This feels like there's this weird other event that's been going on during the big event that is trying to do a lot of the same things that Dark Knight's Death Metal is doing, um, but in a more conventional way. And it's fun to read, but confusing to read this week. Uh, I think that's fair. I really love the Ramita Jr. bit. Uh, that was that was enjoyable, but the sh- other shit was really kind of fucked up. Um, the <laughs> the other shit was fucked up. The uh, woman's doll in the fridge. I was like, "Is that? Are you calling out fridging here?" Oh. No, I don't even remember that. I think I missed that entirely. Yeah, uh, oh yeah, Batman. Yeah, it was like yeah, it was kind of crazy. It was a weird thing. Um, yeah. And then the the very end, I liked the last couple pages, but I don't know the what it black means. Black and white? Yeah. Yeah. Who even knows? No idea. Uh, next up, Backtrack, number 10 from Oni Press, written by Brian Joins and illustrated by Jake uh, Elphick. Uh, so we've been following this title along. This is the last issue, I believe, of this Death yes, Race Through for Time now. 
for now. Death Race Through Time book, um, it ends on a little bit of a question mark note. Um, but how'd you feel about how it wrapped up? Uh, I really liked the kind of like emotional choices that were made in this. It's really interesting how great the relationships are. Like there's this insane race that's going on. But then as the story goes on, we get little pieces of people's lives in such a interesting way. I thought this was a great kind of like uh, somebody sacrificing their wish for somebody else. Uh, you know, a classic kind of thing, but done really well. Um, kind of in the backdrop of Fast and the Furious. I, I think this is... Can, just like a great book from start to finish. I was really impressed uh, with this insanity, but it was done in a way where you could follow. Fun art, uh, cars. If there was one of us on this podcast that loves cars, you know it's JT Sizzle, who what? is a real, really always checking what's under the hood and kicking yeah, the tires. you're a gearhead, man. That's exactly right. This guy gets cars. That's why I mentioned um, a Ford truck uh, earlier tonight on another podcast. Uh, cool. The uh, But I agree. This is a fun. I, I did like the sort of emotional. Do you just want to uh, flex about how you do other podcasts too? With you. It's not a <laughs> – it's with you. It's not a flex to say that. <laughs> uh, I like the emotional sort of uh, turnaround we got at the end of this. Um, and it's fun. Yeah, good stuff. This is one that I think is going to read really well in trade in particular. Yes. Moving on, Return of the Valkyries, number one from Marvel, written by Jason Aaron and Torin Gronbeck, art by Nina Vakuva. Uh, as the title implies, this is Jane Foster slowly, potentially, building the Valkyries back up. In this case, she is ferrying the sentry to the underworld after the events of King and Black and runs into some trouble. We start to bring in a character that is not exactly, but very similar to Tessa Thompson in the yes. MCU uh, and hook back up with her. Um, as usual, uh, they just do a great job of the joint Foster book. And this is more of the same. If you like that, you're going to like this. Agree. Yeah. Um, I love the sentry stuff. Like there's so much nice down to earth stuff where he's, his life flashes before his eyes with the good parts. He remembers a good joke with his uh, wife. Really good stuff. Yeah, there's nothing like a good bit, you know? Uh, I, I think this yeah. is a, a, a lot of fun, a lot of cool stuff going on. Art's fantastic. Um, some good storytelling. And, yeah, I think this is solid. I really hope when I my life flashes before my eyes, it goes back to um, this moment when I said that Yoda fucks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, getting It Together, number four from Image Comics, co-written by Cena Grace and Omar Spahi, art by Jenny Define and Cena Grace. This is also the last issue of this, at least for now. Um, in this issue, we get to watch one of our main characters travel out to L.A., uh, find her solo music career. Um, I gotta say, I like this last issue and the story they told quite a bit, but I was bummed that it only included one of the main characters for the most part. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Yes. Um, I, I was very cool that we kind of got this and, uh, but it, you didn't miss the rest of the band. You know, you did want to know what was going on with them. Um, I think this is a great book, uh, kind of a cool take on what it's like to be in a band and where all these people with different ideas and what they want to do and how you kind of manage that. But I think uh, this, the art and the storytelling and this is just is really nice. 
Um, I hear your criticism, Alex, but what I liked about this book in general is that it's about like a time in your life ending or a time in these mm-hmm. characters' lives ending. Um, and when that happens, especially when it's like a group, when you're young and you have a group of friends and it, everyone just sort of splits off and goes in their own separate way, I felt like it was spot on to only follow one character because that's what happens. Like everyone mm-hmm. falls away and you then go on with your life. And for this book, we ended up just following um, her as she went to L.A. and sort of sorted out her, excuse me, her solo music career. So I appreciate it. But I did. I do agree. I wish there was more like it felt like it ended right when I wanted to just yeah. hear her just go. Yeah. And uh, so I hope they do more of this because I really love the tone and the setting of this book and just the the humor, the char- the way the characters are built. It's really good. I agree. Next up, The Vein, number four from Oni Press, written by Elliot Rahal, illustrated by Emily Pearson. In this issue, we're in the 60s with our vampire criminals. They are building up a cult. Some of them are on board with it. Some of them are not. Um, It is wild to me how much this book jumps forward every single issue, (laughs) time-wise. Um, yeah, it jumps around in a wild fashion. Um, and it's funny. I feel like we, we compared it to American vampire a lot and it's just such a different type book. It, it, the uh, pacing's, uh, wildly different, but I, I don't, I still like it. Like I, I like this sort of the way vampires are rising, then they're falling, then they're all killed. The story, um, it's just innovative takes on what being a vampire is. Yeah. Pete, what do you think about this one? Oh, sure. It's okay. <laughs> I Thanks, I've, Pete. I liked uh, other issues more than this one. I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Venom number 32 for Marvel, <laughs> written by Dottie Cates, art by Ivan Coelho. Uh, here we get to see what happens after Eddie Brock wow, hits a car and dies Turns out Eddie Brock, his body is dead, mind not quite dead because he's part of the hive mind that has been created by Null, the god of the symbiotes, uh, starts to fight back here in a certain way. Uh, what do you think about this? I love the message here. You know, when you're falling to your death, you just got to stop falling. OK, mm-hmm. that's a good yeah. message, guys. Just don't continue to fall. You should stop falling. Yeah. Uh, th- listen to the Roadrunner. Yeah, I I thought this was a great book, really kind of intense splash pages, a lot of over-the-top fun. I liked their uh, reveal later, not sure if we're going to spoil it or not, but uh, it got me excited for more. I think this is a very kind of fun, over-the-top look at Venom, and I'm excited for the team-up that we're going to have. I mean, my review is always just focused on the car. Like, the way he lands on this, uh, obviously, it's a Chrysler LeBaron. Um, the the, ah! uh, the windshield mm-hmm. smash is like, great stuff. Really great choices all across the board. Chrysler uh, LeBaron. Anything else? <laughs> uh, I do like this book. I think Donny Case does a great job of moving the story forward with uh, a lot of great ideas in a very clean, um, easy-to-understand way. And he does it again here. Yeah, it's a bunch of great mythology, and Ivan Quella's art is also excellent. Last but not least, Inkblot, number five from Image Comics, created by Emma Kubert and Rusty Glad. In this issue, our cute little cat jumps to another place. Pete, take it away. 
Alright, so we've got Cutie Patootie just moving through time and space in a kind of cat-like curiosity, but also doesn't give a fuck. You know, uh, this is just kind of insane. The characters are really over the top, but kind of fun combinations of different animals and monsters. It's adorable and moves, and uh, I don't know, it's it's cool. <laughs> It is cool. Uh, I still want a little bit more connection from this book, but in terms of done in one stories, and particularly the designs of the creatures and the worlds and everything, um, very interesting and very weird and fun to check out, even though I don't understand the thrust of this book, where it's <laughs> yeah. going at this point. Yeah, this book is weird, but I think they it, it's written in the story here, like, oh, yeah. she moves through time like a cat, like mm-hmm. wanders around, doesn't care. Uh, lays in the sun a lot. So I think this is just going to be a a little weird. I do like the fact that whenever the cat comes in, everybody's like, oh, there's that time cat. Well, anyway, (laughs) back to this thing we're doing. Back to our normal things. Uh, But good stuff. All right, and you are all good stuff as well. If you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We'll chat with you about comic books, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the virtual comic book shop. See you there. Good stuff. And let us know if you're fucking Yoda, for God's sake. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Yoda, I am. Yoda fucks Yoda. Yoda kissed Yoda when he saw the other Yoda. <laughs> oh, man. That's how I prove it to be. <laughs> <laughs>